Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Cavalry Audio. Welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payment Daniel Port. And thank you so much for listening to our podcast and sending all the messages to us. Uh, you know, we have so many interesting topics that we'd love to cover. And today, I think, is going to be a, a really good one. I agree. This is something that uh, is, is the new trend, and we're actually loving it because it kind of falls into the way we look at plastic and aesthetic surgery. So it makes us feel real good. Definitely. I mean, you know, I, I like to think that because we trained in New York, we have a little more grounded aesthetic. And um, so the, the topic of the day is new natural downsizing trend. And we're going to talk about, you know, downsizing everything uh, from head to toe because the idea was, you know, when you look back uh, at even Pamela Anderson, you know, back in the day where large breasts and large lips and things like that and overdone noses, um, these were all things that were very popularized. And so, um, today we're going to talk about what we are seeing uh, as a uh, as a society of plastic surgeons. Yeah, and I think it's it's become to the point where people would rather you not know that you've had work done, mm-hmm. whereas before it was make sure that whatever you do for me, people can really see that I've had plastic surgery. They wanted to get their money's worth, and in a lot of ways, now we want to keep things very subtle the best version of yourself is what we're looking for. Definitely. And so, you know, the interesting part, and we'll have a podcast coming up in the near future, but we are going to talk regenerative medicine, some of the things that are available, some of the things that are coming down the pipeline. And I think that's going to help our decisions in aesthetics. But in the meantime, this is what we have. And so without further ado, I thought you would start off with what you are seeing with uh, breast implants and breast surgery. It's very interesting. You know, over the last couple of years, I think about even 10 years ago, um, I remember we did a a segment on Entertainment Tonight Mm -hmm. talking about the trends of downsizing. And we talked about Pam Anderson and we talked about how people don't want super large breasts because it makes them look like they've had work done and it attracts too much attention to them. And this is a while ago, but it's become a lot more common now. And what I'm seeing is people that come in and they say, you know, when I go in and do a breast augmentation simulation with someone where we pick sizes, they're like, no, 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 that's too big. It looks like I've had something done. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. We don't want to have 
you know, we don't want to make anyone look like they've had anything done. You know, I know other people use the phrase of keep them guessing. And, and you really do. You want to keep people guessing. You want it to be so natural, but just the best version of themselves. So when I size them, they'll be like, no, no, that's too big. No, that's still too big. And I've realized that people are really going with the aesthetic of just a little pop if they want breast implants. Now, there's also the big trend of taking their implants out Mm -hmm. because they feel like the implants are too big and they say, you know something, just take my implants out and can you do anything that'll be a little more natural? And what we've done is basically take implants out and replace it with a little bit of their own fat, which is kind of a two-for-one special in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, take liposuction from another area, remove the breast implant, let's just say it's a 500cc implant, and put in about 200ccs of fat to just keep a little bit of volume, but not make it so people look overdone. And, And really, it's one of those things where I tell people all the time, the bigger you go, the faster they fall. The bigger you go, the more top-heavy you look. The bigger you go, in a lot of ways, I hate to say it, but the more obnoxious it looks. Mm -hmm. And most of the people that that we operated on, whether they're young girls, they're mommies, or they're older women, each coming in for their own reason, it's better to keep it very subtle because, number one, the results are going to be a lot better and they're going to last a lot longer. We want these results to last forever if we can. So if I don't have to stretch your skin out and make them obnoxiously big, then they're going to last for a long time. And that's the nice part, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the funny part is I, I noticed the trend and it was, um, you know, the larger implants that were placed, we're coming up with ways to keep the breast up. So we're using mesh and Galaflex and all these different things. And the idea is um, after, you know, the studies have shown that once you have an implant that's above 350 cc's, the complications go up exponentially. Absolutely. And the idea was, I remember when we started practice, we, uh, the, the rep for implants, you know, it was joking around and said that we, pl- we placed the smallest implants out of anyone in this city. And we take pride in that. Yeah, listen, I think, you know, the, and the trend for the longest time was as you aged and you lost collagen and elastin in the skin and breast started to sag, people would just take their implants out and replace them with larger ones and larger ones and larger ones instead of doing the appropriate procedure, which would be to start lifting, removing the skin, things like that to tailor the breast. And I totally understand people are afraid of scars and things like that, but we are at a, this is a new generation uh, of surgical procedures and lasers and, you know, all things to, to camouflage. So I, 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 you know, I think absolutely, and, and I mean, I can tell you literally two stories from yesterday. Two patients that I saw, both have had breast augmentations. Breast implants have been in for seventeen years, and they're like, just get these things out, mm-hmm. get them out, and make me look more natural because I feel like I'm top heavy. I can't wear dresses without looking, you know, incredibly outlandish. And it's interesting because I'm like, okay, and they're like, is it still going to look good? Absolutely. There are a lot of options to make you look still really good without going very big. And and like Dr. Lakey just said, the trend was if your breast was sagging a little, put a very large implant in and wow, look, it filled out and it looked great. But imagine you're filling up a balloon with so much that it's end up it's gonna end up sagging significantly more. Yeah. And you're 
literally setting yourself up for a lift later anyway. So do the right procedure to begin with and, and it'll be better. But it, it really does seem like it's, it's very common. Even the younger girls, and that's something I operate on a lot of young 20 to 30 year old girls that come in and they're very flat. They want some breasts. It's not like they come in and they have perfect breasts and they want just bigger, but they just want a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. They're like, please, whatever you do, I don't want anyone to know I've had this done. Whereas before the trend was, no, 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 I want everyone to know. And it was interesting. We used to say to people, do you want to be noticed from across the street? Or across the room. <laughs> across the room. Yeah. And, and realistically, you don't want everyone to know you've had this done. And it seems like things are becoming a lot more as tasteful and classy with the new trends that at least we are seeing, seeing in our practice and we feel like we're seeing in, in the entire plastic surgery world. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that I hear over and over is how difficult it is to find clothes to fit. And so, and then you look at some of the trends. If you look at, you know, fashion trends and things like that, um, it always seems to look a little classier when you're wearing something lower cut or new fashion that exposes a little more when the breasts are relatively small because uh, large breasts in those outfits tend to look trashier. And Absolutely. so the idea is, you know, you're really you wear something, you know, like a Kendall Jenner would wear. And if you've got really large breasts, obviously, you, you know, you're definitely going to get some stares. It's very true. And, and, and I'll say even from people that are, are bikini models or, or, or lingerie mm -hmm. models, and they'll come into the office for a breast augmentation because, interestingly enough, they can't get work because they're too flat. But if they're too big, they can't get work at exactly. all. Exactly. There's like that fine, there, there's no gray area. It's, it, you know, it's almost like a cutoff mm -hmm. um, where you start getting up into the large C range and it's pretty much people, you know, their agents are, are saying, look, it's, it's very difficult for you to get hired because people feel that you're too breasty. And so... Um, and you'll get typecast in life in a sense, you know what I mean? For, forever, you'll look, they'll look at you and I think people just don't want that anymore. And, and you know, with, you know, transitioning onto the to kind of the next area, it's just like breast, it's everywhere else in the body is going to kind of dictate the same type of trend. Definitely. This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. I think, um, you know, as, as more of a rhinoplasty surgeon, what I see is people are coming to me. I'm doing a, a ton more revision rhinoplasty because really, uh, you know, you have to imagine back in the 80s and 90s, there were trends where we made the ski slope type of nose. It was very classic in that time period, but it was so trendy that it now looks absolutely awful. And so I, I see so many people coming to me saying, look, um, at the time I loved it, but right now it's just, it looks too fake. And the nose continues to collapse over time. And it's even, you know, you look at Bella Hadid's nose. I mean, the idea is it, for six months, it looked absolutely beautiful. And now you start seeing how it collapses a little bit, what we call the mid-vault. Uh, she has what's called an inverted V deformity. It's really because, you know, when we do rhinoplasty surgery, it's easy to take pieces away. 
You know, and most of rhinoplasty surgery is reductive. You, you reduce the size of the nose, the shape of the nose or whatever it is. But the problem is you have to leave the appropriate support behind because scar tissue will change that nose for 10 years or more. You'll see the nose continue to collapse. And so that's why there was a big trend to go from closed to open rhinoplasty because you see this infrastructure of the nose. You add the appropriate support. Do you get a little more swelling? Yeah, you can. But I'm looking long term. And so I had a patient the other day. Uh, she would, she got her rhinoplasty at 16 years of age, which in females is, you know, is, is not, not appropriate. Um, that would be the earliest that I would consider just because we want to make it through facial development. And she had had a closed rhinoplasty by a surgeon that was in the area. And, um, it was a very characteristic, uh, style that you see where probably a little bit of over reduction of that bridge that ski slope type of area where you, the, you know, the tip tends to look a little snouty and the area between the nostrils, which is called the columella, is hanging just a little low. So from the side, you see more nostril. From the front, you just see that area that causes a little bit of a shadow and it's a dead giveaway of, uh, you know, a rhinoplasty. And so we did a simulation, showed how you can build the nose in certain areas and reduce from other areas. But the entire time I'm thinking, all right, well, if there is no septal support, you have to get the cartilage from somewhere, right? And so, um, you know, on an 18-year-old girl, do I want to go for a rib? Well, it's one of the options. And I do a lot of rib cartilage harvest, but you can also take it from a package, cadaver rib. And uh, it can be just as effective, you know, there are pros and cons of, of each, but this becomes a much more complex surgery. So the idea, obviously, you want to do it once. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't have my own complications. But the goal is that if you can reconstruct the nose the way you want it to leave the appropriate support behind, you can make it look more natural. And that's a long-winded way to say that we're trying to make a nose look more natural. So, you know, when you've got a pinched tip, uh, you've got collapsed what we call ailer rims on the sides of the nostrils. These are dead giveaway signs that you've had a rhinoplasty. And I, you know, that was just one case. There was another this week as well. This is a 44-year-old female who had something very similar. She had a rhinoplasty and it just looked overdone and it had twisted slightly, um, but it had very, you know, same characteristics. The tip was far too pinched, you know, and uh, these are all signs of a, a rhinoplasty gone awry. And it's not that the surgeon necessarily did something wrong. It's that it wasn't the appropriate plan for that particular patient. And yeah, so, it's interesting. And sometimes the trend is like that. They want it to be so overdone, mm -hmm. you know, and I think things have changed. Like, like we're talking about today, people don't want you to know that they've had a rhinoplasty. Whereas, whereas before they wanted you to know it was a, it was a, it was a type of like a, a status. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you've had plastic surgery, you were in this higher echelon. So if you can make it look like you've had it, make my facelift look over pulled or make my nose look over rotated. So it looks like I've had a nose job. And it's interesting, you know, I've, I've, I've had, you know, seen people over the years that are like, well, it doesn't even look like I've had anything done. Well, that's the point. Yes. The key to what we're talking about is the trend has changed to 
people shouldn't know you've had anything done. They just should look at you and say, wow, you look really good. Yes. And it's so funny. That's, it's a perfect point to make. You know, I have so many patients that come in and say, when they're, when they're afraid of doing a neck lift or facelift or something like that, and they say, oh my gosh, I've seen so much bad work out there. Uh, you know, I don't want to look like that. And the mark of a good surgeon is that you you can look at someone and have no idea that they've had that procedure. That is the potential that is out there right now. And a skilled surgeon should be able to perform a procedure, whether it's rhinoplasty, facelift, you know. And that's another thing is now sticking with the face too, is redoing some of the facelifts that look too overdone. Now, it's a much more difficult surgery, but the idea is that it can be done. You can reverse some of the things to avoid some of the stigma of having a facelift. I mean, the idea is, and and you were saying that before, you were saying, you know, it was a status thing. People wanted you to know that they've had plastic surgery. And there are people listening right now that are saying, what are you talking about? How sure. could that even be possible? Absolutely. It was, mm-hmm. it was. Absolutely. And even five years ago, for those of you who may, you know, you've been on Instagram for the last, uh, you know, five years, is you notice people were looking at these Russian Instagram models with pinched tips. And that was a trend. People would come in and say, listen, I want this photo and show me an Instagram influencer. One who had no doubtedly or undoubtedly had, uh, used a filter to pinch the nose. They even have filters that do that. So, you know, I think that, um, listen, when you use a filter that blurs out some of the pigmentation of your skin and things like that, it makes you look youthful. Yeah, that looks more youthful. But when someone uses a filter to make the eyes overly big or pinch the nose or point the chin or something like that. Make the lips super big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It actually looks funny, mm, in my opinion. (laughs) You know, and I think those, from what we see, especially in talking to some of our colleagues all over the country, we are seeing that people are looking away from that. And, you know, we, we just read that article by, uh, you know, again, go back to the Hadids, how she, you know, wishes she wouldn't have had plastic surgery and things like that. You know, obviously take a step back because that's gave her the career likely. Um, but and if you this, look at her before and after, she looks really good after. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, but I understand the concept now of maybe doing too much too early you know, Heidi Montag, all these different uh, celebs that have undergone so many procedures. And at the time, it sounded like a great idea. And do we still do multiple procedures? Yeah, of course we do. Sure. In, for the appropriately selected patient. And now, now, some people, and, and, and there's some surgeons out there that may think that what we're saying is complete garbage. Um, and that's, that's totally okay. Um, but the trend that we're seeing and mm-hmm. what we have noticed and, and what we've seen around here and, and most of the really reputable guys that we know that are board certified around in, in Los Angeles and, 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 and in Chicago and in New York and around the world, they all are basically talking to us about the same thing. And, and we hear this at conferences as well, that you want people to look more like themselves and not like other people. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, yes, there was a whole craze of Snapchat filters and everything that, that Dr. Lakey's talking about, it's it's changed. And 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 I will say, it's it's interesting. I saw a patient really quick yesterday that had a breast augmentation by me. And she said, she was about six months out and she said, I got to give you a round of applause. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I finally was, she goes, you know, I got the breast augmentation because I didn't feel comfortable being with men because I was so flat. 
And finally, I was with a man and he didn't know that I had fake breasts. And I said, that's exactly what we're mm-hmm. looking for. Mm-hmm. The scars were hidden beautifully around the areola. They were soft. They fit her body. They weren't obnoxious. And I'm like, wow, made me feel like I did my job perfectly. Yeah, you did something right. You know, um, sticking with this downsizing trend, one of the other things that we definitely have seen, and Kylie Jenner you know, put it out there too, but it's downsizing of the lips. And as we had referenced before, it used to be you jam as much filler in there as you could and your lips, you know, everybody was trying to look like uh, Angelina Jolie or Lisa Rinna or, you know, things like that. Um, I think uh, Lisa's may have gone a little too far right there, but uh, um, I think the idea is that we want to now place filler correctly in the lip to accentuate Cupid's bow. We still want 40%, 60% as the ratio from upper to lower lip. And people are coming in, you know, it's interesting because how many patients have you seen in the last three months that wanted hyaluronidase to break, to reduce oh, filler? I literally was going to say, we're running out of the dissolvent. So hyaluronidase is, is basically the antidote to hyaluronic acid. So mm-hmm. hyaluronic acid is Juvederm or any of the Restylane or any of the products that we inject into the lips. And the way you can dissolve it and the beauty of using a, a hyaluronic acid type product is you can dissolve it with something called hyaluronidase or vitrase. It's, a, it's an enzyme that breaks up the, the, the gel. If I tell you, it's been every day. Yeah. Anyone who's had filler in the past comes in and goes, listen, I, 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 want, I got my filler done at this place. Can you dissolve it for me? Mm-hmm. And then the ones that come in for filler, they'll be like, you want to inject maybe, can you use a filler that you can inject somewhere else and just put a drop yes, in my lips? Or and put it's, half and a syringe or something. always the one, just a drop in my lips because they don't want to look like they've had something done. You know, I think one of the best ways to do lips, in my own opinion, is that you put, uh, you know, you initially inject a little and then you have them come back at a later date because a lot of times they say, look, I'm fine. This is perfect. And then, you know, if we need to add a touch up, you can, and then they use filler somewhere else. You know, my favorite the way of lines and- filler, filler in the lips, filler in the tear trough under mm-hmm. the eyes. Best way to do it is less is more. Mm-hmm. Put a tiny bit in. And if you need to go in a couple times, now our practice may be different because we're, we're happy to see the patient a couple times because we want her to have the perfect result. Mm-hmm. Some other practitioners may not, but it's better to do it that way because if you dump a ton of filler in, number one, it'll, it'll kind of come together and, and kind of ball up sometimes. And it'll give you that, that, that really bad little, little knot in the lip and you have to work it out. So less is more. And I think the trend is there. Um, we see it more and more. And I think maybe that is why the whole lip lift trend took off because people didn't want the big lips. They just wanted more lip show. Um, now, lip lifts have their own issue we're not going to get into today, um, but I think it's because filling the lips were so obvious, people were like, I don't want that anymore. It looks like I've had something done. Everyone's looking at me and going, you did your lips? Wow, they look really fake. And that's the big word, that fake word people don't want anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with you. I think the interesting part is a lot of times you can, using a particular technique, rotate the lip and make it look 
good. And I know there's a, a, a that huge trend towards the upper lip lift. I have my own opinion about it. Um, you know, I think in a younger individual, it, it will never look normal, um, but uh, or or natural. Um, but I think just adding little bits here and there. Now, someone who's born with an extremely long filtral column, you know, the distance between the nose and the lip, I totally understand you have to do something else. I, I get that. Um, I'm hoping that there are some newer treatments that are on the horizon. And we talked about one of them, which was uh, Elicor. But, um, you know, I think every single procedure has their own, uh, you know, downsides to it. But, uh, you know, sticking with the same thing, it's facial fillers too. I had a, a, a patient the other day, she was probably 60 years old. Someone had placed so much filler that every time she smiled, it looked like two balls on, on her face, you know? And, and I thought, who is putting this stuff in where they think it looks good? You know, the idea is we have several different fat pockets on the face and you, you, some of them atrophy at different rates and you have to fill up what you've had in order for it to look natural. I understand augmenting the cheekbones and things like that, but you know, there is a point you have to look at, there is a margin of diminishing returns where, you know, everybody thinks if a little's good, a lot's better. And that is definitely not the case when it comes to it. So totally I see people coming in. Now she says, listen, I know that I don't look n natural. This does this looks fake. Can you please help? And we started by injecting, uh, you know, she had almost two vials of uh, vitrace oh that, where we started <laughs> from scratch and then redid it the best you possibly could to make her look more natural. And I think just doing that alone, I see this happening more and more. I'll never forget when we first started practice, we had a nurse injector that came in to, to teach us how to inject something because I think it was radius and, mm. and, it, and, and to use the product, you needed to have this like little training. So this lady came in and, and no offense to anybody who taught us and we thank them all, but she came in and she looked very overdone. Mm. And immediately I said, okay, well, this nurse is going to teach me how to do this, but she's so overdone. I don't think I believe in the aesthetics. Anyways, we started and the first thing she did is she took one syringe and put it directly in the cheek. And she goes, you need to put at least one syringe in the cheek. Next thing you know, this lady looked like she had an apple in the middle of her cheek. Mm -hmm. And immediately I remember looking at you and I said, wow, this is something we're never, ever, ever going to do. And remember guys, fillers don't lift the face. It just doesn't, okay? It can help maybe by a tiny bit by adding and, and filling lines, but it's never going to lift. It's not a facelift. It doesn't matter how much filler you put in, it's never going to fully lift your face. Yeah, we'll camouflage some things. That's why we do it, because it will camouflage. And, um, you know, I, 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 it's not that it won't lift. It just won't lift it effectively the way you're thinking it will. Absolutely. You know, and so we really, we use it to camouflage deeper lines and tear trough deformities and and you want to accentuate certain areas so you get a little bit more of a shadow. Very true. But when you start putting in, you know, a ton in one area, expect that not only can sometimes the product it moves, moves absolutely. a little bit, but uh, it just doesn't look natural. So, you know, what everyone doesn't realize is that in repose, when you're not making expression, putting in fillers can look absolutely phenomenal. Lips as well, but you animate, you smile. 
people are looking and guess what? You're not taking a photo of yourself, you know, all the time when you're making certain expressions. Um, you take two, one when, if you're serious and one when you're smiling, but people see everything in between there. So, and the, the muscles go- actually move product sometimes. Definitely. And definitely. that's the problem. So the more product that's there. So it, it really has been, there's been a big, big trend where I, I've noticed at least, you know, with even myself is when you go in and inject someone, we're not injecting multiple syringes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very little. And it seems like, okay, let me just do a little. And if I want more, I'll come back for more. Yeah. And it's great. And I think the, the satisfaction rate, in my opinion, is significantly higher as well. Mm-hmm. Because people are like, wow, you look really good. What'd you do? And that's what you want. Yep, you want to look well rested. And that's it seems like goal. even, and it seems like the trend for even putting filler has changed a little bit, and people want to do more collagen producing products like a Morpheus, like a Clear and Brilliant, like these procedures that actually will help you thicken your own skin and build your own collagen instead of actually filling it so it looks a little bit faker. This is a more natural way of looking looking your best. Definitely. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's PlasticsDocs, P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S on Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. You know, one last trend that I think we are seeing. So obviously the 360 degree lipo and fat transfer to the butt has been so popular and, uh, you know, it still is. However, and, um, you know, we're starting to see a little bit in our practice, especially those people. So I'll talk about first people are coming and saying, all right, let's remove any butt implants and replace it with natural fat, okay? So that's already, we're downsizing, we're looking more natural, things like that. Because implants, it doesn't matter how good they look when you're younger, when they're older, it is not gonna look great. It's just it's just a fact. And I've noticed a trend of people coming in, even all some of the mommy makeovers that we've done mm-hmm. and I've assisted you on, and um, is that the fat transfer to the butt has been smaller amounts. Whereas it used to be people are like, all right, pack, pack whatever you can in there. You see all these, you know, Instagram before and afters where they're putting in a thousand CCs and, you know, you definitely see the difference. Now, our thought has always been, what do you think is going to happen with that volume and gravity in five years? It is not going to look good. So now, junk in the trunk. Yeah, listen, it's not going to have the shape it did five years prior. So the goal for us is we are now adding a a a more modest amount, um, and we see that more and more. And I would say there hasn't been a patient that we've done a monomy makeover in the last I don't know three six months something like that where we've put large volume. It's just been appropriate volume in certain areas to create that rounded, natural, youthful shape. That's all. Very, very true. And that's, and again, that's, it's very much our practice. We've never been the practice that, that dumps a ton of fat in anyone's butt. It's just not the look that we like. So people don't come to us for that anyways, but I do notice that it's changed. And And interestingly enough, two weeks ago, you did a rhinoplasty on somebody and the lady came in and asked to see me because she'd had a BBL mm-hmm. and she wanted the fat taken out of her butt. Yep. 
And this is something we're seeing a little bit more of because they're like, you know, I am a mother of three and everybody thinks I just have this big booty and it just looks fake and I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting because, and the other thing is it's that shelf, that, that high riding butt that comes out really high and people are like, just make it look more natural. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, it's a lot harder to fix. Definitely, I was gonna say this, and it's a very difficult procedure because you remove volume in certain areas and- um, you have to be very uh, careful in that yeah, area. Yeah, you get contour regularities and the buck can fall. So that's why you had you definitely have to go to a trained, uh, a skilled and board certified plastic surgeon because um, you, know, you, you do it the wrong way and you, you're not gonna be happy. And, and, and it's interesting because these trends, it's just like anything. And, and Dr. Lakey talked about it, just like fashion. You know, there are these trends that last for a certain amount of time and they come and go. Difference is when you buy a dress or, or a pair of skinny jeans or really baggy jeans, you wear them and you toss them, right? So the, the, the trend changes and you move on, right? Mm-hmm. But when the trend changes and you've done something that's relatively permanent to your body, you have to go and get it changed. So it, the the big lesson I think with this today's podcast is, you know, when you're getting work done, think about the future, whether you're 20 or you're 70. Okay. Remember 70 is the new 50. Um, you're, there's a lot of life left to be lived and it's, you have to remember the kind of repercussions that you're going to have. And those trends are going to change. So that super turned up tip that you're going to get, well, you may love it because everyone's going to be like, oh my God, you had a rhinoplasty. But then three years later, where everyone's going to be like, oh my God, you look so fake. It may not be the look you're looking for. And the same thing with the breast or the over pulled, super tight face or the lip that's been incredibly filled. Because I know that you can comment on this. Sometimes lips that are overfilled it's almost impossible to fix because the mucosa gets stretched out and sometimes you have these little out pouching mm-hmm. where really sometimes it's impossible to fix without actually cutting some of it out. And we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, think, I, I think of one patient in particular who had radius placed into her lips. I oh, mean, yeah. It was, and we had to cut out the product and make the lips smaller and, you know, and it's not her fault. I hate to say it. Yeah. It's the practitioner's fault. Sure. So just watch out. And, 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 and again, you know, I'm not sitting here touting that, that Dr. Lakey and I are the best in the world, but we are very conservative and, and we do give you all the options. And I think going to a board certified plastic surgeon uh, for these procedures, they can really sit down and talk to you in length and talk to you about all of the risks and benefits. Remember, everything that you do has a risk behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them, you know, by putting in a type of uh, compound like radius into the lips, which should never be placed there, has, has lifelong repercussions. Sure. You know, one of the things that I often say in a consultation before we even do a simulation for rhinoplasty is I'll say, listen, I'm gonna create something that's gonna look good on your face. I want it to be natural. I don't want anyone to know. And if you don't like it, run, because that is what looks good to me. And each one of us has our own aesthetic. If you ask 10 plastic surgeons to to create their perfect nose, you will get 10 different results. And the idea is, if you are looking for a particular shape or something like that, there are surgeons that create the same shape every single time. That's just the way it is. And you want to look... Uh, at their online photos and say, do they change 
the shape based off of the face. And that I think in, in my opinion is the mark of a good surgeon because they can adapt. It's not the same thing done every single time. So if you look at all of your breast photos, some of them are so different because you have ultimately used measurements to create the perfect shape for that patient. Absolutely. Um, and same thing when it comes to lip and uh, and facial fillers. These are all things where I think the idea would be to slowly build as you go along and as you age because you're losing fat in your face. And that way you won't run into issues. You know, the funny part is I end up injecting myself in the face and I have a permanent little... Uh, out pouching because I got too superficial, and you know, these are all. Things I didn't know that, that. These are all things <laughs> that can have. Oh man, you know, it was it was two three years ago, and I still have this oh little, the little bubble right there. Oh so, my god! Yeah, you know, and and, and what, <laughs> he's what, like, what, oh my god! I didn't even notice what that. Your face? What happened to your face? No, but but one last thing, and I think this has changed too. Do you remember when we first started, or even in the last like I don't know ten years, you'd see people that had Botox and they'd have this super arched brow and the brow would, you know, it would, it would, it was Corella DeVille. I mean, it was yeah, really yeah, like, yeah. you're like, whoa. And people would come in and be like, lift my brow as high as you can. And you're like, really? Why? That doesn't make any sense. And it was, it was that mark of, I've had Botox mm-hmm. so I can show people because it was really, it wasn't something that was as, as run of the mill as it is now. And now people come in and the first thing they say is give me as little as you can with the best result. And I don't want anyone to know I've had Botox. Yes. And yes. it's, that's the way it should be. You don't want it to look like you've had it done. And yep. I think, and I think things are changing that way and, and it's, and it's great. And I think it makes, makes the whole plastic surgery world more real in and, a sense and, that, and look better, have a better absolutely. reputation because for a while there, plastic surgeons had, you know, we're getting a bad rap because of the things that were being done. Making people look weird. Yeah. You're like, don't, you're making people look weird. You're a plastic surgeon. Oh my God. I saw this lady with the big lips, right? You know what yeah, I mean? And, yeah, yeah. and it's changed. So at least that's good for us and and we're happy about it and and mm-hmm. we're and we're hoping that if you're listening um you know and you like that overdone look that's totally fine we're not putting it down but we do feel that these trends are are just trends and and you may second guess it in a couple of years absolutely so well you know i hope you guys have learned something today i know for us this is fun and and we discussed uh, patients in detail. I know there are several patients out there thinking, wait, are they talking about me? Uh, <laughs> you know, the idea is we want to yes. give you real examples so you understand uh, the thought process. And many of you are going through it right now. And so hopefully we can help you, uh, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to come to us. We can still give you the advice. I, re- you know, both of us really appreciate uh, how you've reached out and sent emails and, um, you know, questions that you have. And we'll have a few more sessions where we answer those questions. So, um, you know, I, I again, I uh, thank you for listening. Uh, again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to your podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Peace. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing. Payment and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.